Hello ladies and gentlemen, my name is Jake Kerr and I'd like to welcome you to the 60th episode of the Black Ink Podcast and as you can see today I'm sharing some of my deepest, darkest insecurities of myself which is obviously the top half, top half of my right arm. I literally never wear muscle tees because I'm so insecure about how bare this is compared to literally the fucking rest of my body sort of thing. So now I'm I'm stuck in this fucking, I wish I could just afford to get the top half of my arm tattooed so that I could have like a total bodysuit up the top. But hey, that's all good. It's all good. I've lived with fucking, I can't believe I let a tattooist talk me into getting uh, my hands tattooed before I got the top of that arm tattooed. Literally for the longest time, I was like, right, you don't get sleeves until your back is finished. You don't get your hands done until your sleeves are done. And even then, you really should have your front done. And you can never get face tattoos unless you've got a full bodysuit sort of thing. But as with most, most things, after the fucking, I don't know, 2010, most rules just went out the window for tattooing. And now you've got like apprentices tattooing out of home and nothing happens about it. And you have fucking people getting their hands and their face tattooed before anything else. And there's absolutely nothing that we can do about it except for look at them and judge. So... I welcome you to judge me for not having the top half of my arm tattooed before I got my hands tattooed. I'm a bad person, okay? Now, as you know, my podcast upload have been a little bit sparing of late, and I would like to explain why. I've felt that the value that I'm adding to these podcasts is starting to deplete a little bit the more I try and fit into one week. And why is that? It's because I'm only one person, I've only got so much to say, and if I try to fit too much into these podcasts, I simply just end up talking about nonsense, and I take way too long to explain my points. So this is me officially saying that I'm going to slow down the amount that I'm talking, sorry, I'm going to slow down the amount that I upload. I'm going to try and only upload two or three times a week. I'm going to try and keep those uploads to the middle or end of the week because I find myself under too much pressure on Monday mornings, but we'll get into that a little bit later on. And I'm going to focus a little bit more on short form videos, which I spoke a little bit about in the uh, maybe last podcast or the podcast before that. But again, it doesn't really matter. I'll just show you what I'm going to do. I'm not going to talk about it. So, but one thing that I do want to get to is something that has been a goal of mine, and I think I'm going to talk a little bit today about my goals and my process and, uh, or sorry, my progress, I should say, which I spoke about a lot in the last podcast, but something that's been on my uh, agenda for quite a minute has been establishing what exactly is Black Ink, what direction am I trying to take it, what's it all for, what's the purpose, and these things typically can be wrapped up by a business mission and a business vision, and that can be accompanied by a business statement, right? So basically what this says is, what is the goals and ambitions of your business, and what are the methods in which you're gonna achieve those goals, right? So here I have my mission and my vision, and please understand that I'm talking about, this is this is one of those things, it's trying to, trying to catch a fart in a bottle, you know, you can try your very hardest, but realistically, until you've done it heaps and heaps of times, most of it's just going to be fucking hot air, right? So this is just a first attempt. This isn't anything that I'm going to say, right, this is what Black Ink's going to stick to forever and a day. This is what I feel is the best um, applicable mission and vision for my uh, business for the next year or so. And this is probably going to change a little bit. It might not change heaps. It might change heaps. I'm not sure. But this is where I see myself going. And this is kind of how I encapsulate what I see myself doing for the foreseeable future. So, without any further ado, Black Ink, the mission, to inspire freedom and confidence in a community of dormant savages. Let me say that again. To inspire freedom and confidence in a community of dormant savages, right? Now, I know that having the word savage 
in your business uh, mission seems a little bit immature maybe. And you know what? I have all the permission in the world to be immature. I'm still in my first year of proper business, okay? This is, when I think about what black ink is, because it's really easy to answer this question without thinking, you go, what's black ink? Well, it's a t-shirt a t-shirt business, right? And essentially that's what it is. On the surface, that's what it is, right? But the problem is, is every Tom, Dick and Harry has a t-shirt business. Literally every fucking six posts that I see on Instagram is someone advertising some page with somewhere between 20 and 150 followers, some bullshit t-shirts that they think is a great idea. We've talked about this before on the podcast. They think it's a fucking great idea, but everyone else is just looking at them going like, well, what separates you from every other person that has a t-shirt business, right? So I have to answer that question for my audience, for my customers, for the people who don't believe in me and for myself, right? So when I dig deeper into what exactly I'm trying to do with this business, obviously it's trying to create some sort of, you know, to, to start with, it's to create some sort of income so that I can justify all this effort. And I want it to eventually end up in a position where I'm building an empire, where it's more than just t-shirts, it's more than just clothes. And one thing that I established really early on in this is the sense of community. And when I used to have Black Ink as a coffee van, one thing that I noticed uh, that I really appreciated was the community. It was seeing people every day, knowing their coffee order, having that bullshit banter backwards and forwards. And while I did have to deal with a heap of people that were talking about footy results and the weather coming up, and you know they want to find out all the ins and outs about my business, like how much does it cost to run one of these? Yeah, do you make good money? Like I had to put up with all of those fucking conversations. But I also got to say hello to people who were essentially my friends. I got to go and visit them at their workplace. And because I was like their fucking registered legal drug dealer delivering caffeine to their desk every morning, I was more than a friend, right? People were excited to see me. And as much as like, I know even saying that out loud, it's like, yeah, but these people aren't really your friends. That You're just the, the vehicle between them and their coffee, literally, right? But having that sense of feeling like you're someone's missing puzzle piece for the morning, you know, you're part of a greater picture. They're trying to do whatever they're trying to do and you arriving and delivering their coffee, even though they pay for it, is so essential to the success of their morning. And beyond that, you know, obviously beyond just being the, the vessel of caffeine for their fucking, in, you know, what are they called, receptors in their brain, you build that friendship because, you know, at the start it's just like, oh, you know, is this person cool sort of thing? And then you get a year into it and you're like, this person is cool we have some points of relatability. And that was kind of my job, to find those points of relatability and to establish that connection with them. So even if they didn't want coffee, they would still come out and see me. I've spoken about this saying that I never sold coffee. I sold the experience of me coming and visiting you in your workplace and you got a complimentary coffee for $5, right? So the thing that I built kind of unassumingly at the time or subconsciously at the time was this community of people who had a direct connection to me, not my business or the coffee or the taste or the transaction, it was me. And when I was outside of that and I didn't have it anymore, I found myself in my spare time driving to all these businesses and saying hello to these people because I missed that sense of connecting with them. I miss a sense of feeling like like I belong to a greater thing, you know, like I belong to a greater purpose, not a community even, just a greater purpose. And the thing that I found is even when I visited these people, they still treated me with the same sort of like joy and positive attitude as they did when I arrived with their caffeine. And following that, I had years of like, obviously, you know, I had money after I sold the business. I tried to go for as long as I could without having a real job and just kind of being 20 something years old with a bit of money in my back pocket and no real responsibility or, or, or kind of 
purpose, I guess, just to live, just to be a human, just to experience what living in, you know, 2017 or whatever it was, living in that year and just being a person who could go and get coffee in the morning and ride their push bike at lunchtime and go and sleep in the afternoon and go and play PlayStation at the night. I just was that person. And while that was really satisfactory as far as having that, um, what would you call it, gratification, almost like um, having that entertainment gratification, the thing that I didn't have was a sense of belonging to a community. And when I started all this back up with Black Ink again, the first thing that I was really trying to seek out, besides money, obviously, and I'm fucking, I can't afford rent this week. I'm still trying to fucking find money. So if you can help, do me a favor, buy a t-shirt. That'll go so far, okay? Anyway, not talking about that. The thing that I was trying to regain from this whole kind of, you can almost call it an experiment, still at this stage, experiment, is that feeling of not being the center or hub of a community, but being involved with something that was so much greater than myself that there was no option but to be there, right? So not that without me, it all falls apart, but without me, there is no joy within myself. Like there's so much cool shit going on within this thing that I've created that I want to be a part of it by proxy, not because without me, it doesn't exist. So the thing that I learned, the longer I go on about this, because the thing, the thing is with business, you really can build a business around what you like doing, which is essentially, and hopefully if you implement enough, enough systems within that business, it can look after itself and you can remove yourself out of it and keep doing what you like doing and create money from that and therefore live a life worth living that's fun and purposeful and gives you meaning, you know? Or you can build a business which is just a job that you've put yourself in the center of, that you've given a title to, that requires you to show up every day, right? So essentially, you don't have a business. You know, you can call that a business. You can say, oh yeah, like, let's say, um, let's say, let me think, a lawn mowing round, okay? You can go and work for a landscaping business and you can push a lawnmower and have the hedge trimmers and all the rest and you can get paid your $600 at the end of the week. And then you can go, hmm, I know what I'll do. I'll go and take my $600 and I'll use $300 to pay for all the things that I need to live. And I'm going to take this other $300 and for the next six months, I'm going to put that into a bank account. Okay. And then after six months, wait, so you got three, six, so you got 1200 times by six is 6,000 plus a two, two, four, six, eight, 10, 12, so you got another 12. So you got $7,200 after six months, putting away half of your money. You take that seven and seven and a half thousand dollars, say, and you go and buy a lawnmower and you, you know, you've already got a car, you buy a trailer, you buy the whippersnippers, you buy all the shit. And then you say, you know what? I'm going to forget about my job. I'm going to go start this business because I have all the tools. And then six months later, you have all your clients, you have all your tools, you have everything serviced, you have everything going. And instead of making $600 a week, you're making $1,200 a week, but you have $600 in expenses. You've got your registrations, things break down, things need servicing, you need to buy oil. You've got that client that lives 200 kilometers out of town, so you've got to drive there. You've got to do all the shit. So essentially what you've done is you've built that same job you had over here, but you put it over here and you've put your name above it and you've essentially bought yourself a whole heap of liabilities that are pretty much a business. Now, if you really love horticulture and you really love landscaping, this is beautiful, right? The point that I'm trying to make is just doubling down on what I said before. I'm actually, I think I've got a bit far off the point, but let's talk about this now that we're here. 
the thing that I'm trying to say is as far as like being able to build something that you can stand outside of and you can still enjoy horticulture, you can still do all your own garden, you can still do a job here and there, is if you built a system so that you can then put an employee into that so you can now pay them whatever it is to keep that thing running while you step outside. Maybe you go get another car and another trailer and another set of lawn and you get that set up and then you put an employee in that. Now you've got two employees driving cars, driving all this thing. Bringing in that, you know, maybe you're only making $200 per employee a week, but the problem, the, the, the reality is if you do that, say, five times over, now you're bringing in $1,000 worth of profit a week that is just on top. So now you only need $600 or $300 a week to live over here. You've now got 1000 So essentially, you can build a business with systems that is a business that you could step outside of, you can still enjoy your life, or you can build that business that is just a job. When I apply all of that to what I'm doing, I ask myself, what am I actually doing that I enjoy here? Because if I'm very honest with you, I don't really enjoy screen printing. I learned how to do it because that is a system within my business that allowed me to increase my profit margin, right? The thing that I love doing is doing the thing that people are involved with that I'm selling my stuff to, okay? So I notice really quickly that a lot of my friends, they're fucking animals, right? You put something with two wheels in front of them and they're trying to do wheelies, they're trying to do burnouts, they're seeing if they can extend the swing arm, they're trying to see if they can change it from a belt drive to a chain drive, they want to fuck off the highway bars, they want to get big ape hangers. And I'm like, oh, it's got nothing to do with like, these are the people who are buying my product because they want to help me out, right? And then in turn, they wear, they buy my product, they wear it. They give me a picture of them wearing it on their Harley or whatever, and then they give it back to me and I post that. And then someone else with a Harley goes, oh, that's what people with Harleys ride, uh, sorry, wear. And they end up buying a black ink tee and then they repeat the process. And all of a sudden I realize that all these people who ride motorbikes who are interested in the motorbike scene, they're the ones who are wearing my shit, right? So then I realized that I, like, I had to have this moment with myself where I'm like, what do you enjoy doing? What do you really enjoy doing? And it's simple. I love being on two wheels. Whether I push those wheels with pedals or whether I make them turn with a twist of the accelerator, whether the bike is this big or fucking this big, I don't care. As long as I get to be on two wheels and as long as the weather allows me to do it, I want to be on two wheels. So I listened to that and I built my business slowly, step by step around people who are interested in the same things that I'm interested in and making products for those people, right? And the thing that I get out of that is the community that I'm building is nothing more than the friendship circle that I already had, but I'm finding a way, and this sound, this can sound bad or good depending on how your ear is tuned, I found a way to monetize my interests. I found a way to monetize the community that I'm already in. And I'm doing it in such a way that like, I mean, this is the thing. If you can figure out this problem, if you can figure out a way of making money for yourselves and, you know, obviously not stepping on anyone's toes or upsetting anyone, then good for you. That's that's a, if you solve that problem, you become a millionaire. That's kind of the, the idea of that problem solving. And the thing that I find with Black Ink, now that I look at it and I look at where it's going into the future and I try and understand like, right, what am I trying to build? What do I see in a year's time so I can reverse engineer that thing and start building it today? It's having a group of people that love doing what I'm doing, wearing the clothes that I create that are made for them, right? And the thing that I find out of, when I look at that community, when I break down who that person is that I'm actually talking about, that perfect customer, he's a fucking animal, she's a fucking animal. They do whatever they wanna do. They're the person who rides in the rain because they like riding. And that to me is a savage. 
And the thing that I find most frequently with these people is they don't even realize they're savages. They don't realize that they're unique and they're special. And that chip in their brain that is missing that most people have that tell them not to take that front wheel off the ground, they lean the absolute other way. So I wanna make products for them. I wanna build a community of those people so we have a, like a group of fucking misfits, we have each other, right? And obviously along the way, I wanna do whatever I can do to finance myself, my life, my family so that I can continue to do that and continue to make products for these people, right? And that's what this says, to inspire freedom and confidence in a community of dormant savages. I want them to realize this about themselves. I want them to characterize through this difference that they have outside of the normal community. I'm talking about people who have a fucking 450 sitting in their lounge room, right? Ready and willing to wheelie it through the main street of town. I want those people to be excited about being a part of something. And I want that something to be black ink, right? And that's what this says to me, to inspire freedom and confidence in a community of dormant savages. And realistically, I think in the space that we live down here in Bunbury with a population of fuck all, but with literally every second household owning a dirt bike or motorbike or something, I think that the only thing missing between that community existing and what we have right now is someone making the decision to get them all together. It's someone making those first steps to pull them in and go, hey man, I'm not asking you to do anything illegal. I'm not asking... And, I actually, I, in a way, we kind of do heaps of shit illegal, but that's not the point, you know? When, it's more like if we start making these positive steps towards building this community through having open arms to anyone who wants to join as long as they just love the lifestyle, then fuck, man, that's what this is all about. So as I said, this isn't the mission that I'll end with, but this is the mission that I'll start with. And I'm super excited because for the longest time I've had heaps of keywords and ideas on a piece of paper that sit, you know, blue tacked right at eye height, right in front of my desk. And I've kind of, you know, this, I like to write like that. I like to put the fucking keywords in place and start to move them around in my head and try and make sentences with, you know, using the keywords and it wasn't quite coming together. And then just recently, I've been kind of playing around heaps of my goals, what I want to achieve this month, what I want to achieve before next year, before the beginning of the next financial year and five years from now. And one of them quite simply this month was, let's get this fucking mission and, and vision out of the way. Let's get it ironed. Let's get it nice and crispy so we know what it is, okay? And the good thing about having something is that even if that something is wrong, then we know it's wrong. We've got a starting place. We've got more than zero. We've got something that we know isn't the right thing. And then when I look at it, even if it isn't the right thing, I can go, right, is 50% of it not right? Is 20% of it correct? And whatever it is, you can work from that. And the good thing about what I have written down here is I believe that a good 95% of this is on the money for where I'm at right now. Now, have I spoken way too much about this one sentence? Fuck no, because it's the nuances in life that make it worth living. Let's get onto the bloody vision, okay? So the vision of Black Ink is to be and be recognized as industry leaders in motorcycle, lifestyle, and fashion, right? To be and be recognized as industry leaders in motorcycle, lifestyle, and fashion. So we are building off the mission of Black Ink to create this community. And what I'm trying to do is be seen and actually embody the idea of being an industry leader in the lifestyle and fashion side of being, you know, a, you know, I was going to say a motorcyclist or a rider, right? And I think 
I mean, now we're starting to play with a bit, a few more of the moving pieces, right? So one really key thing in here is to be recognized as industry leaders. Now, if anybody's following the story, you know this industry leader, these two words, they're popping up left, right, and center. And for the few people who listen to my podcast, let me be 100% transparent about this, okay? I am fucking faking it until I make it. I am telling people I'm an industry leader until I'm a fucking industry leader. Do you understand? I've got new hats coming out that have industry leader on them. I have a complete collection that I am putting together, ready to implement into shops that is called the, everyone now, industry leader collection. That's what I'm doing. Now, is Larissa and Louie about to walk in the door? Fuck yeah, they are. Let's do this. Come here, puppy, come on. Come here, puppy, come give me a cuddle. Come give me a cuddle, come on. Jump up, I'll catch you. I'll catch you, come on. She never wants to be caught, that's okay. So. This whole idea around the industry leader thing is obviously it starts with, and these words industry leader, I've been playing with them in the back of my mind for the longest time now. It was something that was part of those, you know, scramble words that I had put up on the, on the piece of paper in front of me. And it's something that moving forward with building this whole kind of capsule that I want to deliver and like kind of making some sort of thing for next year, the industry leader has been a really prominent set of words in my mind that have now made their way into my vision and also made their way into the things that I'm designing and creating and, and making available. So for me, it's kind of an inside joke, the words industry leader, because I know, I know that with my 1,653 followers and my you know under 300 sales in the history of Black Ink that I am in no way an industry leader. But the thing is in my vision, in my mind of what Black Ink is in the future, it's undoubtable. It is absolutely undoubtable. So all I'm doing is implying that now. So but by the time that it is actually realized physically, it's old news for me. I'm all good with it. And this is the same way, I mean, I spoke about just before, like I don't have money for rent this week. In my mind, I'm rich as fuck. In my mind, the only reason that I don't spend money is because I have no desire for the thing that money buys. I am rich in my mind, you know? So by the time that I get rich, I've been rich for a minute. It doesn't overwhelm me. I'm not like, holy fuck, I'll go buy a Ferrari because I can afford it. I can buy a Ferrari now if I really want to. It's not that I can't afford it. It's just that the problem of the problem that I have to solve is finding the half a million dollars or generating the half a million dollars to going and getting it. And I fully believe that I have the ability to create that wealth should I need it. But the reality is I'm trying to do something with black ink right now. So the Ferrari seems kind of pointless. You know what I mean? Like if I had half a million dollars, I'd be doing heaps more with black ink that I would be doing with a fucking car right now. But look, gone too far down that track. Let's just keep moving forward. This here, I'm really fucking excited about. Now talking about new products, I need to elaborate on a little topic that I've been, um, this is, it's actually funny. It's, it's funny. So what, what has been kind of, I've been putting a lot of energy and thought into lately and kind of putting it into my goals is the steps involved with getting my clothes into retail shops. Okay. So obviously any brand is, has certain, um, indicators of success and certain indicators of progress. And I, uh, this is the thing, I've got so many fucking, there's so many elements and contributing factors to this that I kind of don't know where to start. I guess the idea of having my clothes in shops is really cool, right? But I think that having your clothes in shops says something more than just having your clothes in shops. It says you've reached a certain point of brand trust that people believe in what you're doing, people trust what you're delivering, people have confidence in what you're doing. And also, if they don't know about you, 
then they see you in a shop. Even before they've been on my Instagram page or they've seen their friends wearing my stuff or they've heard of someone talking about black ink or they've seen my stickers stuck around town, none of that. They see it for the first time in a shop, then they believe that because this brand is in a shop, that it is of value, right? If you put my brand next to say, uh, what's that fucking like loose kid industries or maybe um, Fox or maybe uh, thrills or you know an easy one like jet pilot you know you go okay well this brand isn't that brand but it's next to that brand right so a, a brand has to do so much before it lands on these shelves so I know that this brand has gone through all of that to get to this point where they're on shelves so as far as I'm concerned there's a certain standard that I want to meet right? before I put myself in shops because I don't want you walking to a shop seeing my shirt and flicking on the labels and being like this is just a shirt that was printed on AS color it doesn't even have a hang tag on it you know what I mean like there's nothing that that makes this different from the Tom Dick and Harry that has their fucking 23 followers on Instagram putting bullshit prints on their tops so I also kind of wanted to and like this is probably my ego talking more than anything I didn't want to put my stuff in shops because I didn't want other shops to, to be able to claim it you know what I mean I didn't want other shops to be able to say like oh yeah we have black ink in it it's like for some reason I've always had this thing that holds me back in my mind that says like oh but if you're in control of absolutely everything if you just hold out and instead of you know giving those a thousand sales to ten different shops across the southwest over three months maybe if we held out for six months without giving it to those shops we could have those thousand sales ourselves and before even worrying about the profit margin it has more to do with the principle of me selling the shirt having no middleman between me making it and it being sold somewhere and therefore taking all the glory so if this is something one day i can say well i did fucking everything the reality is is holding out for that that part of my ego is pointless it's not like it's going to make me well it would make me literally double the amount of money if i sold them themselves that's not that's not the point but it that like it's fruitless it's kind of like one of those things we're saying like hey man you can work this job over here for 10 bucks an hour or you can work the exact same job over here for 30 bucks an hour and you're like, yeah, but I'll do that one because I like doing things the hard way. You know what I mean? Like aside from the financial part of it, there are so many um, opportunities for growth when literally like, and this is a thing, like if you base it off just having the sales, you go like, oh, if I make say a hundred more shirts and there, you know, 10 each of those hundred shirts goes into 10 different shops, it's not about selling each of those 10 shirts. It's about the thing that I spoke about just before. Someone walks in and they go, oh, black ink. Who's black ink? They lift it up and they go, oh, yeah, it's a shirt. It's not for me, but, you know, I get it. And they put it away. And then they go to the next one. They pick up a Loose Kids Industry, LSK or whatever it is, Loose Kid Industry stop. And they're like, oh, okay, cool. And they take that to the counter and they buy it. In their minds, subconsciously, we're valued the same because if their top is 60 bucks and my top is 60 bucks and we're right next to each other, then we are of equal value, right? So the next time they're out and about, they might see someone wearing a black ink t-shirt and they go, oh, okay, so such and such wears a black ink. I mean, have you done this? Have you not liked something that a brand's delivered and then saw someone that you respect or like wearing that brand and now you think differently of the brand? That's kind of what I'm going for here with black ink. So you can see now that that one person has a different uh, they were introduced to black ink a particular way. They have that stored in their mind and then they have an experience which then maybe changes their idea about what black ink is. That whole thing compared to a situation where that person never saw my shirt in a shop and it said they just one day saw their friend wearing black ink. It's nothing really to think about. I mean, you're wearing a brand I haven't heard about. Cool. Heaps of people wear brands I haven't heard about. 
whatever, unless you bring it up in conversation, I'm not going to ask you about it. So just by having that awareness, by being in the shop and having eyes on you and having people being put in a place where there is already foot traffic that are in the mood to shop for clothing, having your clothing in that situation speaks so, so much louder than, you know, hoping that they find you on Instagram or hoping that they come across one of your sponsored posts sort of thing. But so if we reverse engineer, if we backtrack where all this came from, I essentially sat down with one of my, uh, I'd say mentors, Jordan G and Francesco, who used to own the dark room and was a major, um, what would you call it? A major kind of one of the bigger gears in the establishing of Maker & Co and Lost Bills, the bar uh, here in Bunbury, um, who he now... I'm not exactly sure what he does for work. I know he he sub he subcontracts for a lot of big names and like he he he's got everything going on. He's just one of those super smart young people. So when he when he talks, I just shut the fuck up and I listen to him. And he just said to me like, "Man, we got to get your clothes in shops." And I gave him all these excuses under the sun why he was wrong. And he looked at me and he was like, "That's cool, man. I'm in the business of fucking moving forward, progressing, and success. So we need to get your shit into shops. And the way to do that is to manufacture." your own goods or to be able to outsource them cheaply enough that you're doing essentially the same thing. And as you might guess, that's how I ended up making the decision to buy a screen printer and a heat press and finding out how I can have my stuff printed direct to garment here in town and learning all the ins and outs of manufacturing and producing my own goods. So now we're so many months after the fact of like having that discussion, making that decision, sourcing the funds to do it executing that decision and actually getting the things, learning how to do the screen printing, getting all these, you know, wholesale accounts with the stockists and establishing all these relationships that I had to establish and starting to build this system and get the ball rolling. I mean, we're probably 60% through that whole process. And now I'm in a position where I can start actually looking around and going like, oh, would I like my clothes in this shop? How would Black Ink look against that brand? How would Black Ink look in this shop if I had a complete shop in shop situation, right? So now I'm in this position and it's it's kind of hard because some days you feel like you have no idea what you're doing. You feel like you're chasing your tail because you lose that bigger vision of what's possible. And it's really easy to go back and have that conversation with Jordan that I was talking about and have these massive plans. You're like, oh yeah, so I just got to find the money, buy a screen printer, learn how to use it, get all the blank stock, print out a range, come up with some new supplies, build a collection, make that digital, uh, send it to a hundred shops, see who says yes and no, go and do a physical presentation to whoever says yes and then build all the clothes and get them into shops. It's a fucking six month process. It's probably a more like a 10 month process. You know, I mean, just between getting a yes from a shop and then putting their order and having to deliver is like a three month gap. So the way I see it is I'm like, I'm now in the middle of this cyclone of an idea that, you know, probably has a 50-50 success rate, right? It may be all for nothing and it may be all for the best thing in the world. It may be just the step that the next risky step that I had to take to had to take to progress in my business. And the thing that I mean, honestly, if I give you like a perspective of like how I feel in the here and now, like I'm overwhelmed, I'm lost, it's scary. Some days I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. I'm definitely had that point where I'm just like looking at myself in the mirror going like, bro, go and drive a truck. It's so much easier than this. You know, it's so much easier than this. But when I step out of it and when I review those goals and when I look at the prog progress that I've made and I understand like sometimes I look at my screen like it's it's part of the furniture now I look at it I'm like oh yeah that's my screen printer and then other days I'm like bro that's your fucking screen printer like that is the thing that you had to go and get and learn how to use so that you can 
make your stuff so you can get into shops and you can do that you can do the next step sort of thing so now i'm in this position where i'm i mean today i have it in my notes that i have to start thinking about the shops like actually put pen to paper and say right what shops am i going to be approaching can i go and have uh, conversations with them now can i start to establish some sort of relationship with the buyers for these shops or the owners for the shops if they're small enough and start to ask the questions like hey I'm a brand, I'm putting together a collection. I would like to know what you would like to see from me or what you expect to see from me so I can make sure that I'm really doing a good job. So uh, I made a, you may or may not have seen, but I made a, a little video the other day on Thursday or Friday, I believe it was. I think it was Friday. And it was like a little three and a half minute video of me just explaining, hey, look, I've just bought this screen printer. I know some people are waiting a little bit longer than anticipated for their orders. Um, just understand that it's because I bought this equipment, I had to teach myself, I've had to go through the trials and tribulations of everything involved with screen printing and doing your own business sort of thing. And um, just understand like that this is what's happening. I thank you for any fucking, uh, uh, I thank you for understanding and I apologize for any inconvenience and also I'm getting my shit into shops, where do you think I should put it? Now, did anyone respond to my video? Absolutely fucking not. Did it get heaps less views than what I was anticipating? Yes, it did. Is this just my fault? Yeah, I posted in the middle of the day. I don't know what I was thinking. I was excited. I just wanted to post it and I did. So what I'm saying is the thing that I was really asking with that video, and obviously that the point of that video was just to create, a, in, in all honesty, it was to create a different length video and to see how it was gonna be accepted. Now, the problem that I had was I made probably a, a reasonably good video. I'd probably give it like a, out of 10 thumbs, I'd probably give it like six and a half thumbs up in my 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 opinion. But unfortunately, it wasn't um, it wasn't really received well because my timing was off and all the rest. But in that three and a half minutes, I was trying to give a little bit of transparency about what's happening with Black Ink and explain to people if they are waiting a bit longer for their orders, what's going on. I wanted to talk a little bit about what I had coming up and what my goals were. And then I also wanted to talk about getting my stuff into shops and asking the people like, right, where do you see black ink? Where makes sense? You know, like what, where would you expect to see it? And where would you be surprised to see it? Where, where do you want to have the convenience of being able to go and buy black ink sort of thing? Now, if you want to do me a favor right now, DM me right now. Leave a comment on this wherever you find it. Just let me know because obviously, as I said, I wasn't super successful on that little video. And the fuck, man, I'll tell you something about that video. This is funny. That was three and a half minutes. Now, I don't know if you noticed if you did watch that video, but that's a continuous three and a half minutes of me getting out three major points, each with points within them. So I just got on camera and went until I said it all and then uploaded it as a full. I'm getting really fucking good at these full cuts. I mean, I've just spoken for 34 and a half minutes roughly without a break, with no prompter, with no, I mean, I've got this here that I read out once. I've got some things that I wanted to talk about. I haven't touched on any of them yet, but that was just a fucking three and a half minute video of me just saying something and it literally took me two and a half hours to do because I would not, overcome that idea in my head that I can just cut a video together and make something that's nice and crispy that way. So, man, um, and I, that's, I'll tell you what is the fucking craziest part about that is, I mean, like, it's to, it's say it's midday on a Friday, you're at home by yourself, you're in the second hour of recording these videos, we've essentially said the same thing on repeat, but each time you make a little mistake, so you stop, you start again, the fucking littlest things like a fly in the room is enough to send me absolutely fucking crazy. You know, so it's like, you have to ask yourself, like, what am I doing? Like, what the fuck is going on right now? 
why am I recording this video? No one asked me to record this video. It's not like people are waiting for the content that are in this video. It's not like I've amped up that I'm about to do a press release or anything. Literally all it was, was I had an idea and I wanted to go create that idea. I've kind of had it in the back of my mind, what I want to say, what I wanted to bring up. And then the stupid part is when I went to actually fucking do it, I was like held back by this idea of what I thought that idea was so much so that it just kept on taking time after time after time. And as I said, you know, you get to the second hour and you're like, what the fuck is going on here? Why aren't I driving a truck for $50 an hour? You know, but that's just the fun of having a bit. That's the fun of having ideas and executing them. In reality, I was going to say it's a fun of small business. It's not. You're allowed to do things like this in your personal life. Like, I mean, for an example, right? You ever seen one of those really good uh, chippies put in a nail, like get a nail and they put it in with just a tap and then they hit it once and hit it twice and then it's fully in. The nail doesn't bend, it goes perfectly straight down. You're allowed to get a block of wood and a fucking bucket of nails and continuously do that until you get it right. And trust me, if you want to go and, you know, if you want to prove that you that you can't do that, you, sorry, most people think that they can do that. They see it, they're like, oh, that's really easy. That's the fucking hardest thing in the world. Holding a hammer where it's meant to be hammer and not choking it and just doing two hits and bashing that into a bit of wood, super hard. Don't even pause this. Just go find a hammer and nail and a piece of wood and go do that and see if you can do it. You're allowed to just keep doing that until you get it. And that might take you two and a half hours. Anyway, went off on a wild tangent there. The fucking point I was making was recording the video. Da, 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 da. Right. So getting stuff into shops, I would really love to hear what your opinion is on where, uh, and not only where, but what products you want to see in the shop. This is a thing like... I want to, I, like in my mind, just to give you some transparency on the whole situation, in my mind, I see eight products, okay? I see a handful of shirts, maybe a muscle tee, a couple of hats, maybe a sticker pack, and then an accessory. An accessory might be some sort of keychain or bum bag or motorcycle tie downs or something along those lines where it's just something cool, or even the mug, um, scrunchies, whatever it might be. So with that, I want to put things in shops that obviously are available on the website, but I want to make them kind of exclusive to the shopping experience in that obviously I'm going to have a certain percentage of my of my collection is going to be the essentials like the OPT, the Box Globe tea, um, but I also want to have things in there that are just for the shop, right? So that might be like a, a new t-shirt or maybe a, a hat that's specific for shop release or even if they're specific shops at the start. So I have my stuff in five shops but only say Hillsies in town, or only Sabotage in town has this particular product. So if you want to go there, but again, I'm in the business of selling things, not making things exclusive. So we'll play that by you. See how we go. Just let me check my fucking, oh dude, how's talking about videos. This was fucking, man, this got me. So pretty much that last episode, I spoke a lot about the, um, the process of uh, progress. You know, I spoke a bit about the planning that went into, so the mental planning, then the physical planning and the execution of making the video for my industry leader mug, which if you're not, if you didn't know, I released that late last week. They're available on my website for $19.95 and they are the ultimate ceramic solution for your coffee and hot beverage needs at work and at the office. So feel free to jump on my website, which is www.blackink.com.au with an X instead of an A in black. And that'll be your top search result right at the top. You can just go, boom, add to basket. Maybe you can get 10% off because you're not a registered VIP member. Put in your email address, get 10% off. And now you just got yourself a new mug for 20, 90, so it's like, you know, $17 and 90 something cents. Hey, you're welcome. Anyway, so the video that I made for that 
was uh, a video of the mug sliding into frame and then I put sugar in there and coffee and then water and then I stir it and then some milk. And then as the beat drops, I turn the cup around, grab it and take it away. And one thing that I spoke about in the last video was how fucking insecure I was about the fact that there was a streak of light down the cup. Now, if you looked at my set or the thing that I was using to shoot all this in from like a third party point of view, it was fucking ridiculous. Okay. So I had like this curtain halfway down, that curtain completely closed, this light on, I had a shirt hanging on a fucking rack to stop some of the light coming in from the curtain. And then like I have my phone set up on a tripod and the tripod is blue tacked in a particular way so it can't move too much. And like obviously as you're doing everything, you don't want to move the, the cup and I'm like hovering over the shit, doing the stirring and all that. And I got to the end of all like, you know, I got the video, I looked at it, I'm like, oh, there's this streak of light in there. But, you know, it is what it is. Um, obviously, the whole point of that podcast was speaking about the fact you're better off to have something that you can work with than to have nothing at all. Don't let the failure, don't let the idea of failure coming from this little part of what you've already built stop you from doing the thing that you're doing. And, you know, obviously, in real context, that's don't let that streak of light on the coffee cup stop you from posting this because we've just spent two hours doing this. We have 95% of a, of a result of something that we can do something with. And you're better off posting this, getting the results that you're going to get, and then using the information and knowledge that you've gained from this experience in the next time you do this sort of thing and apply it there to get a better result. So every time you're doing this particular thing, which for me is recording a video that I'm going to use to market my product, every time I make a video, I can have these considerations in mind and I can get better and better and better. So the one thing that stood out with this whole video, literally the only thing that is wrong with it in my eyes, and obviously I have super uneducated, untrained eyes at this point, but with what I do, making videos every day for for you know Instagram and social media and whatnot, using my phone, using the things that I have, I was like, the one thing that is wrong with this is this streak of light, which is right in the middle of my name on the logo of the cup, but you know, this streak of light on there. And then I went on to make a podcast elaborating on how insecure I was about that streak of light. And at that point, when I re released the podcast, the cup was already out. I'd already sold, you know, probably a dozen of them, whatever it was. And then it must have been about six hours later, about, yeah, it was about six hours later. Because I, I think I recorded all of this on the Wednesday. I recorded the podcast on Thursday. I released the mug on Thursday evening at 3.30 and then obviously release the podcast on Friday morning. And then halfway through Friday, I get a message from someone because obviously I shared the video so that would because after I posted, I shared it like 12 hours later to get more views on it because it got fuck all views and fuck all likes, which is okay. You know, I'm, I'm experimenting with my posting times at the moment to see if five o'clock in the morning really is the best time to post. And as it turns out, it fucking is. But one thing that I got, I got a message from someone up in Perth, actually, and I'm very confident that they don't listen to the podcast, but literally they responded with one line to the story that I shared on my story, and uh, it was, that streak of light just ruins it, and then a laughing emoji. Now, in my entire history of being on social media, I think I've been physically upset maybe half a dozen times, and the other five times came before I was like 18 years old because, you know, you're a hormonal fucking teenager and you don't know that people don't actually mean what they say. And if they do mean it, they don't actually understand who they are as a person. So it doesn't matter anyway. But this fucked me up. And I've been waiting. I literally have been waiting as someone who spends all their time on social media and, you know, propagates the, the success of their 
business on social media. I've been waiting for something to come along to upset me. And you may not remember, but months ago, months and months ago, someone put a sticker up, a black ink sticker up, uh, the drive-through pole at McDonald's. And then, you know, about a week later, somebody wrote fag above it and then pointed a little arrow downwards. And as soon as I saw it, I was like, hey, thank you, thank you for giving me this marketing ploy. Thank you for giving me something to talk about. This is absolutely brilliant. Honestly, deep within, deep within me, I was like, oh, I could even do that to myself just so that I've got something to talk about. Like, I should write fag on there and then like go like, oh, who the fuck wrote fag on there? Because it's, it's funny. You know what I mean? Like, that is funny. I would, I would not be surprised if one of my friends did that because that is fucking funny. You know what I mean? You wrote fag in Sharpie at McDonald's drive-thru. Like, what the fuck? You know? Commenting that... And like, this is the thing. It wasn't even a comment everyone can see. They direct messaged me and said, hey, that streak of light. I'm like, hey, man, with a tear running down my face. I said, hey, man, there's a 45-minute podcast of me talking about that streak of light if you want to really go rub it in. But you know what I did instead? I laugh reacted to their fucking, to their comment, to, to their fucking message. Because if you do anything more, then they win. And you know what the fucking silly part is? Is like the problem with direct, with with messaging someone or even commenting. The problem with social media is is it's just physical words. That's all it is. There's no tone. There's no affection. There's nothing behind it. So I don't know if he goes like you never know if he's going like man, this is a fucking good video. But the only bloody thing that ruins it is a fucking streak of light. You don't know if he's saying that or if he's going like dude, the streak of light fucks it. You shit at this. You know. You don't know if he's being friendly about it. You don't know if he's being cool about it. You know if he's being a dick about it. So as far as I'm concerned, I'm just like. Yeah, I know. The streak of light is... The streak... I know. Like, I, I'm i trying to... I know, you know? So as far as I'm concerned, I just have to push it to one side, laugh, react to it, because he, you know, he was making a joke out of it, so I make a joke. I'm like, ah, fucking... It is what it is, sort of thing, and keep moving on. And then 20 minutes later, I find myself on the phone being like, hey, mum, you listen to that podcast? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, fucking, you wouldn't believe it, but my heart's broken over something that someone said. And that was the thing that fucking hurt me. Anyway, I don't have a real point to my story. I'm just saying that that was just something that kind of fucking, just something that happened. You know what I mean? But, oh, I'll tell you what else happened. This is interesting. If you come to the pointy end of the podcast, you've come, you know, you've arrived at something semi-interesting for literally, I would say probably three, four, five years. I don't know. Every time I go to the doctor, I've asked them to, you know, I've got my GP and then obviously you see a few other GPs here and there. I was like, can you do me a favor and point your light down my throat and tell me if there's anything there? Because I've got this like, it's not it's like a feeling. It's not like a lump. It's not an itch. It's not anything. I just have a feeling at the back of my throat. And you may or may not know, but I'm a aggressive smoker. I smoke heavily, right? So the thing that I've always been worried about is maybe I have throat cancer, of course, because that's where your mind goes to. And uh, every time the doctor will be like, yeah, all right, give us a look, get his torch out. Yeah, no, I say, ah, oh, yeah, no, there's nothing there, bro. And I'm like, yeah, but maybe you can't see far enough. And they were always like, dude, do you know how the fucking throat works? It's a long, straight tube. Like, we can see a fair bit of it. So he's looking down there. He's like, no, 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 you look all good. Other GPs are like, no, do you have any, like, have you lost any of your vocal range? Is there any other, you know, does it ever get worse or better? Does, you know, nothing was ever conclusive, you know? So anyway, I go to my doctor about three months ago. I'm like, hey, man, can you look down my throat? And he's like, nah. And he pulls up his fucking, he's on his computer and he's punching something away, prints out a sheet and he goes, right, there's a referral to an ENT. You need to get a camera down your nose so that you can finally fucking figure out if this is anything to be worried about because I'm sick of hearing about it. 
I'm not being rude. I just want you to have peace of mind so that if in five years time you do end up with throat cancer, at least you can say you did this now, okay? And if you do have throat cancer now, this is gonna be the quickest thing to figuring out what the fuck is going on. Now, if you don't know, getting an ENT appointment is easy. It's just timely, right? So from sending that letter off to faxing it off to having an email come back um, suggesting a date for an appointment was like three weeks. The appointment that they made was like two months away and the consult fee for that appointment is anywhere from 200 to $350 and personal health insurance does not cover a single cent of it, okay? So I'm like, all right, this is what we gotta do. And obviously, I mean, you know you've been listening to this pod, even if you've just heard this podcast, it's not like I'm rolling around in fucking money at the moment. $350 is huge, you know? That's rent for a fortnight. I can't fucking, like, what are you talking about? I, but I've got to, right? Because instead of asking this question for another five years time, I've got to get this out of the way. Long story short, that ENT appointment was on Thursday at three o'clock in the afternoon. And super interesting. I was in there for about 10 minutes. And uh, they, um, yeah, 10 minutes for, it was $330. Uh, apparently I was at the higher end of the fucking, the range. Um, and basically all, all she did was sprayed like probably five sprays of this antiseptic stuff down my nose, which is uncomfortable to begin with having stuff sprayed down your nose. And it's not like a fucking nostril spray sort of thing. It's like, you know, get the bottle and like angle it into the most fucking shittiest position you can and then spray five times and you have it drip down your back of your throat and it tastes like pure shit. And it basically, it's like a topical antiseptic. So I couldn't feel anything from around about there to seemingly about, you know, there in your throat. And it is literally exactly what you would imagine. There's this, like just, a, it looks like a piece of string that's hanging from like a controller. And at the end of that string, there's a little light. And as soon as that light turns on, a monitor in front of you turns on, and you can see that like this camera is like, how would you explain it? It's just like a blurry camera. What I didn't realize is it was blurry because it was just pointing at the ground, dangling around. And this thing is like an extreme close-up camera. As soon as you put it into your nose, it's the highest definition you can imagine. You can see everything crystal clear. And because it has that light on it, everything's illuminated. So you can literally see everything in your throat. So she points this thing up my nose, feeds it down my throat. And you can feel it, feel it, feel it, feel it, feel it, feel it. She gets all the way to the bottom of my throat and she, the whole time she's going, no, everything looks fine. Everything looks fine. Then we get to the bottom of my throat. And then she's like, this is in your head. This is in your head. It's been in your head all this time. Because I explained to her how I got to this situation, how I, what, what damage I thought I had done to myself, the sensation that I was getting and how I thought, how, why I thought it was what it was. And then how I got to this point of eventually being at an ENT, getting this camera down my nose, because a GP had eventually just got to a point where he's like, bro, I don't want to fucking have this conversation anymore. And she got to the, as, as far as you can push that thing down your throat, I guess. And she goes, it's all in your head. Everything looks happy, healthy, normal. It is what it is. And I was like, okay. So she rips it out of my nose and she goes, well, just check this other side. She gets literally not even like the littlest bit of my nose. And she goes, oh, you've, you've uh, been in a few fights in your lifetime you've um, got a pretty severely deviated septum and I was like no ma'am I, I don't engage in physical conflict between myself and another human I wouldn't know what you're talking about and she goes was there anything else that you might I'm just going to let you finish the rest of that story yourself you know now look I've got fucking I've got literally heaps of stuff to talk about from here but that's alright I tell you what I tell you what I will do I'm gonna talk about one thing that was a really interesting experience. I've already hit 50 minutes, but fuck it, let's go for an hour. Because I had this experience the other day 
and it's um <coughs> it kind of shed some light on um like my personal journey i guess more than the business journey but what happened was I made the decision last week that so far I've been doing things in my business essentially the same way I was before as far as ordering is concerned. So the way things used to work is I had a business over East that printed shirts. So you would order what you wanted off my website and I would take that information and the money from that and I would send that information to this business and say, I need this shirt printed, here's the money for it. And I kept a little bit on top, right? So that was my, my profit margin was a little bit on top. So I keep that, they'd send it to me and then I would quality um, control it, you know, check everything. I'll put some stickers in there, write a thank you card. I would send it to you. And that was the whole process. Now getting the screen printer, of course, when you spend that big upfront capital amount, I didn't have the money to then go and invest in having a whole bunch of blank shit sitting around ready to print on straight away. So what would happen is, is I had all the parts I needed to print a shirt. I had everything besides the shirt itself. So you would go onto my website, you would buy buy whatever shirt you want, that information and money comes to me. And then what I would do is once a week, I would get all of those orders, figure out all the blank stock that I needed and I would order that from my supplier, get them in, get the tag sewn on and then print on that shirt. So essentially you could be waiting as long, if not longer than before when I was outsourcing the whole process. But what I have done now is I've got myself to a position where I had just enough money on top of the money that I've been making to go like, right, I can take all of that money and I can buy five of each size in each of the garments that I print, which wasn't necessarily how it turned out, but it's not the point. I can go on, so what it actually turned out to be, so you know, 100% transparency here, I got five of each size in black, I got two of each size in white tees, and then I got one of each size black crop tops and one of each size white crop tops, because as far as the ratio goes, that's pretty much the amount of everything that I sell to justify buying what I bought. Now what this meant was pretty much my rent money this week was spent on those products last week. And while it's scary now because I'm out of pocket and I have all these things that aren't sold, it means that the next fucking, you know, let's say if, let's say Perfect World, I sold all of, you know, all of those tops with a print on them each, which means, you know, you've got 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, um, 40, 50. So you've got 50 garments. If I sold all those 50 garments tomorrow, I've got them all blank here ready to sell. That means that I could just print them and send them out and I will get to keep all of that money. So obviously it's a really like beneficial position for me to be in. And the idea is I'm trying to build that blank stockpile so that it doesn't matter what order comes in, I can fulfill it as soon as possible. I don't have to wait on any other equipment or um, clothing to come to me. I've got everything here in the fucking um, studio to, you know, make it and send it out straight away. So it was Thursday. I had done an order. Like I, I realized early last week that I had got to a point where I could afford to buy this blank stockpile. I could start this blank stockpile, even though it's five of each size. I could start this blank stockpile, and I, I, I you know, I, I had the money to do it essentially. So I did that. I figured out what was a good amount of each things. I established a stockpile register so I knew how many of each thing I was holding. I then. Uh, ordered all those things. I then had a whole bunch of orders that I had to sort out, which were all direct to garment digital printing, that go skate tee. So I got those out of my blank stockpile. I took them to my um, printer here in town, the local guy who has a direct to garment full color, full color printer. And I paid for all of those shirts to be printed. And I was coming home and I hate doing this, but I thought I'll check my bank account just to make sure that 
you know, I've got some money. And I mean, for me, I mean, I roll with anywhere between like $20 and $1,000. That's that's the most amount of money that I'll have personally at any one time at the moment, which is fine. I'm in the middle of it. I'm, I'm meant to only have that much. And I checked my bank account and I had like, you know, I was expecting 40 bucks, you know, and I had a substantial amount more. And it's funny, I, I know this was Thursday because Chillin' It re- released um, that song Cashed Out Stoner. And I was playing that for the first time in my car. And um, I realized like, I'm not a cashed out stoner, but I'm, I'm kind of on my way there. And I was so overwhelmed that I had not only paid for the things that I need to pay for, all my regos are up to date, my insurances are up to date. I don't have any bills that are outstanding. I don't have any bills that are due. All my monthly fucking debits are out of my account. And I still had money left over. And I was at the fucking, I know like I was, if you know Bunbury, I was at the set of lights um, on King Road where that fucking Danks furniture used to be. I was sitting right there. And I fucking started crying. I was so happy. You know what I mean? I was like overwhelmed. There's a car next to me and I literally yelled as loud as I could like, yes, you know, like that stupid thing you do when no one's looking, but there was people looking. And I, it occurred to me, I was like, oh, this feeling of being overwhelmed is actually very common. And I don't, quite I was trying to figure out why it felt so common right and what I realized was that feeling of being overwhelmed was so akin to being overwhelmed with anger and frustration when I was driving a truck that I was kind of taken away by the fact that it could actually be positive as well because I used to find at least once a week I mean, sometimes in, you know, when it was in the middle of summer and shit, because I'm quite heat sensitive, it would sometimes turn to once a day or once every two days. But I'd have these overwhelming moments where I'd literally be screaming fuck at the top of my lungs and punching the steering wheel and getting out and fucking screaming where, where no one's around sort of thing. Like literally doing those things, actually being that person, which now is so hard for me to like understand that I have that within me, that I'm capable of doing that. But the thing that I realized was, I had that for happiness and that happiness had come from a place of build of like making a decision and following that decision through and building something that's worth talking about, building something that's worth continuing to build. I had that overwhelming sense of happiness. And even though I still have not a lot to show for it as far as money, I mean, I've got a few people wearing t-shirts out there and I've got a website and I've got my social media and all the rest. But the fact is like, I'm on the fucking journey. I'm progressing. I'm doing something. And Man, I don't even know whether I've got a fucking point for that. I think it was just such a cool part of my journey and my life that's happening at the moment that I just wanted to share it with you, you know what I mean? It's just such, it's fun. It's overwhelming. Anyway, that's 57 minutes. Be good to your mum because I'm fucking out. Yeah!